You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And I want to introduce some folks to the America's Web Radio family, and they'll be doing the Classic Car Show. And a lot of folks know these guys, and I have known them for a long time. Tom Cox and Richard Lintinello. Lintinello. Is that right, Lintinello? Richard, is that right? Tenelo. <laughs> anyway, Lintenelo. And if I have my ice jacket on, are you going to... No, I'm just teasing. Uh, anyway, we're glad to have you guys joining us. And uh, sorry for a little technical mix-up there on my part. But we got it made, and we're going. And uh, look forward to a great show, and look forward to a great future together. So... You're listening to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And uh, I'll turn it over to Tom and Richard. Well, good morning, David. Thank you. We appreciate everybody uh, who's tuned in. And uh, I know uh, I'm speaking for both of us. We're really looking looking forward to this. Although I think uh, the, the Lent to Nilo, I don't know, that might stick. You think, Richard? I don't know. These Southerners, they just can't pronounce Italian names. I just don't get it. It's well, so simple. I, mean, I, didn't, so. I didn't have my meatball and spaghettis this morning for breakfast. Uh, a, good, good, a good Sicilian a good Sicilian breakfast. The, uh, so yeah, but, I think but, what... Go ahead, Rich. No, I'm just saying that we're used to that through the years. It's okay. <laughs> the uh, So... You know, this is uh, show one for us, and uh, we we thought about it, and we thought perhaps the best thing to, for us to do is to uh, give everyone the opportunity to kind of figure out who we are, what we did. You know, we're just, we're you, you're us. I mean, you know, we're all car people, and uh, we've come about to be, come about being involved in car hobbies, you know, Everybody's different. We all have a different entry into this uh, great hobby of ours, and um, so, uh, so Rich, what's Richard? What started you in the hobby? I mean, what what was the very first thing you remember that you got involved with that brought you into uh, cars? The, oh, the first thing. I mean, it it started way back when. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, I was on Ocean Parkway, and it was eight lanes of traffic in front of our house, and uh, we had a stoop. I don't know if you guys from Virginia know what a stoop is, but uh, no, I don't know what a stoop with is. Steps on, you know, and you sit on. Is it outside. like a thicket? <laughs> it's like a thicket, and Thank you. on the stoop, you know, being the little kid and watching all the cars go by, and it's like back in the late fifties, there was you know cars that had exteriors that were colorful and bright and vibrant and engaging, and it was like wow. This is pretty cool. Look at all these cars. And, you know, as you grow up, you know, back in the 60s, there was a lot of uh, abandoned cars in New York City. And every time I would see a cool-looking car, I would, you know, uh, get off my Stingray. And uh, that's a bicycle, not the car. And I would jump into the stolen car and see what it's like to sit in it. And I sat in a Triumph Spitfire one day down at near Coney Island. And I said, wow, this is so cool. This is like a race car. I mean, it had no wheels. It was sitting on the ground, you know. And uh, I went out and bought one two years later when I, uh, you know, turned 18 and still have it. And I've loved the cars ever since. And for for me, you know, I don't know. It kind of came in stages, I think. The first thing, you know, was hot, hot Wheels and Matchbox cars. I, I mean, I had them all over the place. I mean, God, my poor parents stepping on those things in the middle of the night and that sort of thing. I mean, I remember stepping on them, too. And then, you know, I had all the Hot Wheels, the Matchbox, and then uh, my parents had a guy named Sidney Lowe who uh, worked on their cars. I grew up in Virginia Beach. Sydney's place was down about two blocks uh, from the oceanfront down there. And uh, mom or dad would take me with them when they took the cars down to Sydney. And uh, those guys just treated me 
like royalty whenever I walked in that place. And uh, I can still remember the smell of the 90 weight and uh, the, the fresh rubber. I mean, I could smell it as if it were yesterday. But, you know, I'd go in there and... Uh, they just let me hang out, you know, while they were working on my mom's car. Um, I had a great time in there with them. And uh, from there, I don't know, I just got involved with everything that, anything that would burn oil or gas, I, I just loved it. And I taught myself, I don't know, I was about eight or nine years old, and I got a lawnmower, and I sort of, Took it apart as best I could, and you know what I couldn't get apart, I smacked apart with a hammer so I could see what worked inside, how it worked inside, and I taught myself how to work on them. And uh, over about a three-year period, then I used to go out and pick up lawnmowers off the trash. On trash day, I'd get out there to beat the uh, trash man when he was coming through the neighborhood, and uh, I'd drag him home, work on them, and go back, sell them on Saturday morning about a block over from the house and uh you know then i decided i wanted cars you know it was the next progression was to work on bigger and bigger things and you know of course i've been into cars so kind of just went from there um had a opportunity to buy a 53 buick for 75 bucks straight eight three on the tree and uh I bugged the heck out of my dad for that and uh, drove him crazy. And he, would, he would not let me buy the car. And finally, I guess I worried him to death, and he finally said, you know, look, you can buy the car. But then I started thinking about it. He was really unhappy about me buying a car. If I buy the car, what if he's still really unhappy? So I just kind of let it go. But uh, that's that's been it. Yeah. But, you know, we all, we all have those stories of a car that, uh, you know, we had to let go. We just couldn't get. No, it. Uh, well, I, I figure one of these days I'm going to have a '53 Buick uh, special with the with the uh, straight eight in it. But um, so, I guess the very first car I was able to buy uh, about a year later, um, I saw a '57 Chrysler New Yorker two door hardtop for sale for 35 bucks in uh, Hampton, which was across the Chesapeake Bay from where I grew up. And uh, I went over there, um, looked at the car. My dad took me. And uh, I bought it for 35 bucks, and it cost me $40 to have it towed home. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What a deal. What a bug. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It was a bargain. It was a steal. A 392 yeah. Hemi. It was special ordered with uh, dual... Carter WCFB carburetors, uh, dual point distributor, all that, and uh, I got that thing running. And uh, used to uh, when my parents would go to the grocery store, go somewhere, I'd stay home, and then I'd get in the car and I'd go tearing around the neighborhood. And uh, you know, I mean, I really I got it up pretty. I mean, at times probably doing 50 miles an hour. I didn't have a license or anything. And uh, the neighbors were cool with it because I worked on all their lawnmowers and outboard motors and all that sort of stuff, so they never said anything. And then uh, I ran out of gas one day. I, I ran home as hard as I could, got a gas can, went running back to the car, and I was probably 20 feet from the car. And here came my parents. And there I was holding the gas can car on the side of the road and i was like oh my gosh this is it and so yeah it wasn't too bad but i was restricted no more car for i think it was six months something like that and i ended up joining the aaca uh antique automobile club of america um i was 13 and uh the tidewater uh, region of the uh, aaca as we call it and uh you know i've been been working and enjoying AACA ever since, too. So, Wow, you joined at a young age. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that you're impressed. It takes a lot to impress you. Cause, yeah, um, sure you know, it does, you, especially from you guys from Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, So when did you start? You, 
didn't really go right in directly into uh, you know editing and writing and, and so on. Before we hear Richard's story, let's take a quick break and uh, remind everyone that the Classic Car Show is brought to you by J.C. Taylor Insurance. They are the best, and uh, they advertise in a number of magazines, including AACA, which I I must say is one of the most beautiful magazines that I get. It is just absolutely great. And uh, if you're not a member of AACA, you need to join, if nothing else, just for their, what is it, bi-monthly, uh, Tom? Or once a quarter, yes, sir. or is you it get- bi-monthly? Okay. Anyway, it is beautiful, and uh, the cars in it just, just like Tom and Richard, uh, you sort of drool as you're looking through it. But we'll be back right after this. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. And now back to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lenintello. How was that, Richard? Lentinello. Lentinello, right? What, what, or should wasn't I just there get... like some sort of uh, soda or drink or something called a limoncello? Limoncello. Okay. Limoncello, yeah, made with fresh lemons in Italy. Yep. Limoncello. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Limoncello, Lentinello, it, it's all pretty close. Yeah. Or we could just call it the Tom and Richard show. Yeah. <laughs> or Tom and Jerry, or whatever. No, I just appreciate you guys uh, taking the the helm, and uh, y'all are doing great. And I, uh, I can relate to uh, Tom and Lawnmowers. I had a Wisconsin 12-and-a-half-horsepower engine off a cement mixer that I took apart and put together so many times I couldn't count it. But anyway, uh, glad to have you all as part of the America's Web Radio family now. So I'll turn it back to Tom and Richard. All right. When we, le- when we left off for our <coughs> advertisements, uh Rich was going to tell it. Richard was going to tell us about uh, how he went from uh, owning a Triumph. Uh, it didn't catch on fire, right? No, no, it never. I mean, broke down all the time, but it didn't catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was, we were talking the other day, and um, you know, I, I was I was talking about British, you know, typical the typical British sports car, and uh, I decided to go whole hog. I had a TR7, and uh, it, uh, and I really bit it off. It uh, nearly caught on fire in the garage. I I had it running, and I had gotten it running where it had been sitting for a while, and uh, then it started to run rough all of a sudden, and I'm thinking it's going to smooth out, it's going to smooth out didn't smooth out and then i see all this fuel pumping out onto the floor in the garage and i thought man i'm going to go up like a roman candle but uh, but anyway so how'd you transition into editing editing and uh writing and doing all those things well i i, I went to pratt institute where i studied interior design and interior architecture that's what i was doing in manhattan for many years and in the early 90s, there was uh, a uh, 
I guess a you know a downturn in the market and uh, got laid off. And by then, I was already publishing a quarterly magazine on my own on my dining room table called Carrozzeria, which was about restoration and. You know, it was a valiant effort. It wasn't great. But uh, when I got laid off, I saw an ad in the New York Times about uh, a magazine editor wanted in Jersey. And I said, oh, boy, Jersey. Who wants to live in Jersey? But, you know, okay, <laughs> I give it a shot. <laughs> and uh, I used the uh, five issues that I published on my magazine, and I got the job, and I became the editor of High Performance Pontiac, and then eventually Vet Magazine and Muscle Cars and... You know, after five years in Jersey, uh, I got an opportunity to go to Hemmings. So I moved uh, the whole family up to Vermont, and I started at Hemmings in 1998. And uh, it lasted 22 years, and we had a, you know, we had a good time there, and it was an interesting place. And we created lots of uh, new magazines like uh, Muscle Machines and Classic Car and Sports and Exotic, and it was just a wonderful experience. It really was. So, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and. Uh, here I am. <laughs> but right now, you know, just letting everybody know, we'll, you know, do a, a, a selfish plug here for you because uh, you've got a new project now, uh, Crankshaft Magazine, and uh, you can tell us about that. But before you do, I'll just say that, you know, it is an amazing magazine you guys have done such a wonderful job with that and the only thing i can tell you is it, it's a soft cover version of automobile quarterly is how i see it but tell us about crankshaft too well thank you very much i, I got an email the other day from a guy he's 80 years old he says he's been buying car magazine since the 50s when they started coming out and he said this is the best car magazine he's ever read and that made my day like you know so what we're doing is just trying to put out a quality product. And the fact that now I don't have a publisher over my head, you know, dictating things we can do and we cannot do, uh, no rules. We're doing it my way. Uh, I've been in this hobby a long time, since uh, the 70s. And uh, I kind of know what, you know, I got a good feeling for what people want because I, I go to like 20 car shows, 30 car shows every year. I'm always out there talking to people. I see things that people want, people that things that they don't want to read about, and uh, that's what we're doing with Crankshaft. You know, we're, we're we're not pandering to anyone. We're not doing stories just to get advertising. We're just doing hardcore uh, features and uh, stories on cars that we find interesting, cars that other magazines won't even write about because you know they're not worth a lot of money, but. You know, we're not placing value on anything that we write about. We like cars for what they are, regardless how much they cost. And uh, that's what we're doing. It's, it's a quarterly magazine, 144 pages, quality paper, nice photography, great writing, because we've got fantastic writers like Jim Donnelly from Hemmings and David Lachance. We have Bob Palmer, who wrote a great Studebaker story. We have Walt Gosden, the great historian from the Classic Car Club of America. Uh, you know, we have Milton Stern, who, who's writing some funny stuff. So, uh, so far, so good. Uh, we're having a good time doing it. Issue three just was published last week, and it just came out. And uh, we hope to keep moving forward with it. Now, the magazine is is fabulous, and uh, it's it's one of my most looked forward to magazines out there i mean now I, I have to say i have to give a good plug for antique automobile uh, magazine for the antique automobile club of america mm -hmm. um our our editor wes peterson does a does a wonderful job with that and uh you know we do a lot of a lot of good feature stories on you know members cars and uh discuss you know various things that are going on you know in the hobby um and then within aaca um my my good friend steve moskowitz i'll give a shout out to moscow <laughs> um i've been on the board of direct was elected to the board of directors of aaca 15 years ago and uh i've been working with steve since just before then and uh he's done such a wonderful job with the uh with the aaca and and brought it along um, to where it is now, and um, there's it's just not a better 
organization out there. Uh, uh, Lentinello? I mean, it's something for everybody. Lentinello, I've got yeah, to interrupt for one people. second, okay? Uh, you did a great job of explaining your new magazine, except for one thing. How do you get it? Oh, how do you get it? Oh, you got to call me up on the phone. Well, give him <laughs> <give me>, <laughs> your home number. Just <laughs> no. go to our website. Uh, website is crankshaftmagazine.com. And you could order a subscription of four issues, or you could just order a single copy just to see what the magazine's about. Uh, before you go ahead and buy a one-year sub. So uh, crankshaftmagazine.com. Well, Tom did a good job of endorsing it, and you were very kind and sent me a couple of copies that are just beautiful. And uh, Thank you. Wish you all the best in the, in the world with it, but uh, we're going to go one step further. We're going to insist on you calling in or sending in uh, a 30-second ad about it, and we'll play it for you. And uh, even on non oh, non car shows, so we'll that's we'll talk great. about that. I really that. appreciate that. We could use the exposure. Well, that's just for screwing up your name. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll get back to the Tom and Richard show, classic car show. So it's a, it's yours, Tom or Richard, <laughs> or Richard or Tom or, or uh, Lemoncello. Lemoncello, uh, yes. <laughs> Lentinello. So. I was, uh, you know, as I said, um, <clears throat> this is my 15th uh, year serving on board of directors for AACA. Um, had the privilege of serving as president and national president in 2013 and in, again in 2017. Uh, but uh, we just recently uh, completed a major project, probably the biggest project in AACA history, um, with our new library and research center and headquarters, um, the uh, Chris and Kathleen Koch uh, AACA library. And uh, it is amazing. If you get an opportunity, tell everybody, I tell everybody, they need to go to our website, go to www.aaca.org and, uh, and check it out because it's absolutely amazing. It is um Probably the largest, most accessible library in the ent- automotive library in the entire world. Um, if you ever happen to be in Hershey, Pennsylvania, you can stop by any time. We have a uh, small display of about ten cars in there. You can go in and check out. We have a AACA store there, and then um, go upstairs and uh, introduce yourself to our librarians up there and uh, tell them, you know, what you'd like to look at. And they'll give you, give you a tour, show you what, what we've got. I mean, literally millions of, literally millions of pieces of uh, automotive literature, technical manuals, photographs, everything you could think of um, up there. And it's just a tremendous resource for everyone. Um so I, I highly recommend that you stop in, take a look, and see what they've got. And, uh, you know, I have to give another shout-out to Steve Moskowitz and our board of directors because everybody did a great job. But more than that, uh, we had such wonderful support for that project. Um, so many people in the hobby uh, stepped up to the plate and uh, helped us fund this uh, new library and research center that's there for the use of all of us in the hobby and uh it's a uh, free library you can anybody can go in off the street and uh access our library um but if you're a member of aaca you can call up and uh you get free research you can call in and ask about call up our librarians ask them to research something and uh first hour and a half is is at no charge so it's a great deal I, um, I'm looking forward to going. I haven't been there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going. We we just had the dedication this past October, and uh, so it hasn't been open for long. But uh, it's it's a it's a it's not to be missed. Um, and the, the cool thing about it was is when we were looking for a site, I remember it vividly. Steve Moskowitz calling me up. And he's like, "Gosh, this." 
Pennsylvania American Water Building is for sale, and you know, it's right next to the uh, Hershey Fall Meat Showfield. You know, which of course, you know, most people involved in the hobby know about know about Hershey or they've heard about Hershey. Um, it's simply the largest. I call it automotive family reunion in the world. Um, you can buy anything and everything at Hershey. Everything from pioneer auto, pre-1900 automobiles all the way up to, uh, you know, 25 years uh, old. So, I mean, you know, it just runs the gamut. And uh, thousands of cars for when, sale and parts everywhere. It's nuts. i got to jump in. Hey, and Tom, uh, When was the first... Uh, we need to take another break right quick, and uh, we'll come back. And the one thing you didn't mention, Tom, was Tex Ritter. I mean, Chris Ritter. And he's a nice guy. And he's the head He is a nice guy. Yeah, so we ought to give him a shout-out. Mr. Ritter, this is for you. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio, or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall, and we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on America's Web Radio with the Classic Car Show, better known now as the Tom and Richard Show. So with that being said, let's go straight to them and their stories about how they got into it. Tom, it's all yours. Or Richard, it's all yours. Yeah, you know, I I was... Tom was talking about uh, Hershey, and I wanted to ask him, uh, when was the first year you went to Hershey, Tom? The first year I went to Her- Hershey would have been, uh, gosh, 1986, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's been a while, you know. Uh, yeah, my, my, I just, my first year was 83. Oh, wow, you got me beat by three years. I got you. Now listen to this. When when we went there, the car corral was in the white field on that you know airstrip, and there was a Ferrari two fifty, Moana bodied, and it had a for sale price of eleven thousand five hundred. And then we went back at five o'clock to go get our car, and it was still for sale. The guy marked it down to ten five, and I said to my friend Lou, who I was with, I said, "Well, no wonder nobody wants to buy it. There's a Sun Tech." In the dash. <laughs> I mean, no. 2005 for a Brown body 250 Ferrari. I mean, it's like those days are gone forever. Totally gone forever. Um, I, I, you know, and that's the thing about Hershey. You know, even today, you you still know, don't, you don't have any idea what's going to show up there. You know, this year, um, there was a, uh, and I forget what the year was, probably somewhere around 19... 19- Twelve, something like that. Um, a Maytag, um, you know, same as the washing machine. But uh, of course, they, they didn't they, make too many of those. Nope. No, no. I mean, and it was all original out there. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing car. Um, I remember seeing a Chrysler uh, Thunderbolt for sale there. Um, you know, like. 
I don't seem to remember that it was actually um, Joe Lewis's car, um, the boxer uh, that was for sale out there. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. I've, you'll see Chrysler turbine cars there. You see just about anything out there. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about it is, is, you know, you get to know people that are there. So you go back every year, and, you know, for many people, it really is a reunion. Uh, that's the only time you see these people, but you see them every year. Well, sadly, COVID sort of interrupted things, you know, it sort of mixed it up. Uh, in, in 2020, we had to do an improvised um, event. You know, we weren't able to have the flea market. Uh, the Hershey region of the AACA, people have no idea how hard those people work. They work literally start working on the next show the day after. Um, yeah, they're, they're out there at 7 and 6 o'clock in the morning, right? They're out there in the rain. They're there all day. And, uh, yeah, we got to give a thumbs up to the uh, Hershey region for hosting that event. It's just absolutely fabulous. And people from all over the world go to Hershey. You know, I've seen people from Brazil, South Africa, all throughout Europe, Australia. I mean, it's just a, a, the mecca of the old car hobby. It, it's true. Yeah, you'll, you'll hear... It, it, 15 different languages or more spoken there. Um, you know, people from Norway, Sweden, and as you say, South America, or just you know, all over the Middle East. It's it's just totally crazy. That was the only strange thing uh, about being at Hershey because we were able to have the flea market again this past fall um, up there. But the strange thing with all the travel restrictions in, in place... There weren't a lot of people from from out of the country there, and you know I really miss that, you know, because it's just been you know whole a part of part of Hershey, uh, part of that Hershey experience, and uh, then of course there's you know the grand finale being the uh, the car show um, over there, which is now right adjacent to our new national headquarters, and uh, it's it's a, it's an amazing show too. I mean, you you find everything from one-off uh, custom-bodied uh, Duesenbergs to uh, Willie's Aero Arcs, you know, uh, it's crazy. Uh, it, it, and it's the greatest car show in the world. It really is. Uh, I've been telling people that for decades. If you know, if you're into old cars, you owe it to yourself to go to Hershey at least once in your life. You will love it. The car show, there are things there, like you said. One day I saw the Shah of Iran's Bugatti was sitting there next to a uh, Porsche 356, a very early one, a Continental Coupe. And it was like, I mean, where do you get this kind of variety? Only at Hershey. No, there's, there's absolutely nothing, nothing at all like Hershey. And, you know, I, I hope everybody listening, if they haven't been, you know, put it on your to-do list this year uh, to go to Hershey. I, there's been a lot of people over the years that I've told to go to Hershey. And uh, they go back every year. I mean, it's just one thing right after the other. So, And you know what's going to Richard, be uh, a highlight coming up this year at Hershey? What's that? Frank Chef Magazine is going to have a booth. Yay. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> you know, every come opportunity. <laughs> come by, say hello to Richard, and uh, spend spend a little bit of quality time, and uh, maybe even get an autograph. Maybe you'll autograph a copy for me. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> so, but, uh, yep. Tell me, tell me about... You know, what's the one car that, you know, you couldn't get rid of fast enough, and what's the car that um, you wish that you uh, had never gotten rid of? Wow. Uh, geez. The one car I, I, I wish I never bought, I mean, it wasn't even a classic. It, it was a Ford Tempo. It was just absolutely awful. And uh, it broke down one night in the, on the middle of the Verrazano Bridge in a pouring rain. It was just just broke down all the time but anyway uh classic cars oh geez i had two of them that i wish i never sold i had a sunbeam tiger it was a 260 right hand drive they only made 325 of them and it had a factory hard top and i wish you know i never sold that i bought it for 1500 bucks 
sold it for 3200 because I was publishing my own magazine at the time and I needed money to pay the print bill. And I thought I scored big time. But uh, the other one would be my 60, no, my 59 Alfa Romeo Giulietta Sprint. Uh, it had uh, all the Beloche uh, set up on it from the uh, pair of, I guess you would call them a DCO3 Weber carburetors. They, they were sand cast, and those carburetors alone today are, are worth a fortune. And uh, that was a fun little car, 1300cc twin cam, and I just wish I never sold that one too. But, uh, you know, unlike many other people, I still own my first car. In 1974, when I was 18, I, I bought a Triumph Spitfire, and I still have it. And I sat in it yesterday. And, uh, you know, uh, we've gone through so many cars through the years, you know, all of us. And there's always that one car you wish that you never sold. And uh, I guess it would be a toss-up between the Alpha and the Triumph and the uh, Tiger. Wow, I didn't realize that you had. I, I didn't realize that you had the had the first car you ever owned. Uh, you know, I, I wish I had that 57 Chrysler New Yorker back. Yeah, um, you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to talk to all these, uh, you know, the older people. They were probably only in their 50s at the time. And they said, oh, gee, I wish I had my first car. I wish I never sold it. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to sell my first car. I'm going to keep it. And I dragged it all over, moved to Jersey, moved to Vermont, Florida, Massachusetts. And now I'm here in Tennessee, and I still got it. And I just, you know, I just love it. <laughs> Well, I, I I sold the first ones that I, I had. I, had, I bought the uh, Chrysler. I sold it. You know, I paid thirty five bucks for it. I did brakes on it. I put a timing chain in it, and uh, you know, for fourteen by that time I was fourteen, and uh, for a fourteen year old that was a pretty pretty heady experience. And then I ended up turning around and and selling it for two hundred and seventy five dollars, and thought I was doing great. Um, now, I don't know, you know, a 57 Chrysler New York or two-door hardtop equipped like that one probably fully restored these days is, you know, 75000 plus, um, you know, but it, it was just a great-looking car. And it wasn't, yeah. you know, sadly, a lot of those years, the Chrysler's, uh, you know, were known to have a bit of rust. And uh, this car was really solid. It was a great car. The only other car that I, you know, the closest thing I have to a car that I kept um, wasn't my first car. I guess it was probably my fourth car. And uh, I bought it when I was 17. And uh, it was a 51 Hudson Commodore 8 cylinder. Um, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. The 8-cylinder uh, engine, twin eight? you know. No, no, no. That's uh, the... Uh, 308 uh, or 262 uh, engine. Um, 52 was the last year for the uh, Hudson 8 cylinder, but it it dated all the way back to the 30s, um, and, and so it was kind of out outmoded by the time uh, 1951 came along uh, with that car. It actually still had splash oiling. Um, so did not have pressure-fed oiling to the crankshaft. Um, it just sort of pumped the oil up out of the out of the pan into the uh, uh, this tray that the uh, rods would come down and dip into. So you know, same old thing. You know, you're going uphill. You know, number one gets starved, bearing gets starved a little bit. You're going downhill. Number eight gets starved a little bit. But uh, I do still have that car. I've I've taken it with me everywhere I've went, my, gone in my entire life, and uh, it's it. I love needs Hudson. a full restoration. You know, years ago I drove a Hudson Wasp, and boy, that thing handled. I, I was so surprised how well it handled comparable to its size and it was just so relaxing and fun to drive i thought i would love to have a wasp you know i actually have one i have a 53 super wasp which uh right. it's a club a club coupe um it's got the uh 262 uh engine with the dual the twin h dual carburetors that was good for an extra 10 horsepower as an option and uh you know they're just they are they're great cars um you know they're 
really underrated. I think they were underrated, you know, when, when they were new, even. Um, but, of course, you know, everybody re- remembers the Hudson Hornet because it was such a successful car in, in NASCAR, uh, mainly because that, that big 308 six-cylinder engine, it, it would turn up a little little slower than the V8s did um, at the time, but uh, it had a lot of torque. And so, and being a six-cylinder, it was better on fuel. And because of the Hudson design, it had a really low center of gravity. So in NASCAR, they could, you know, you could push the Hudsons into the turns harder because of the low center of gravity. And you could pull out of the corners better because they had so much torque. And then the other part of it was is they didn't use as much fuel. And so you didn't have to stop as often to refuel either. So they, they were just phenomenally successful. They were, all, they were like unbeatable Gentlemen, um, in, in 1951, 1952. We have to take our last break before the end of the show. So we'll be back with Tom and Richard right after this. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're also listening to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lenantello. And back to Tom and Richard. Take it away, Tom. Tell us what you are working on now in your garage. So what... (laughs) The latest project, and I've owned this car for probably 20 years now, um, and it's an unusual car, but uh, a 1970 American Motors uh, Rebel machine. And uh, nice. I bought it. What color combo? It's Matador Red uh, with the flat blacked-out hood and, and, and grill. Um, they're Great probably, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually, you know, they're they're known to be, you know, for being red, white, and blue uh, with the paint yeah, scheme and the striping and everything. And uh, you know, when I bought this car, I, I at the time I really didn't have the uh, reference material. And I just bought it because it was a was in fact a Rebel machine. I knew, yeah, you know, I knew what the VIN code was for Rebel machine, so I was able to verify that aspect of it but in terms of the colors and everything i really didn't didn't know it had been painted blue and uh the the whole car was blue and i'm like well gosh it was matador red which was you know really an unusual color um it's got the uh you know four-speed transmission uh 390 engine uh that particular engine was the highest horsepower output engine uh that uh amc ever built in regular production too um but the matador red cars there's fewer than 30 so it's kind of kind of neat um but i just finished with paint and uh got to get ready and bite the bullet and uh and, and pay for all that chrome save my nickels and dimes Chrome work is like crazy expensive these days. Yeah, yeah, plating is very expensive. Good thing sports cars don't have a lot of plating, so that's good. Saves me money. Yeah, well, you know, you you just moved uh, 
down south here. You pack, pack, took the car, packed the, packed the cars up, and, and and you move them down south, and now you're learning to speak y'all. Um, so I know you had a project that you've been working on because you wrote about it several times. What are you working on? Yeah, I'm working on a, uh, I guess about 12 years ago, I bought a basket case, and literally it was a basket case that came in, you know, 50 boxes. It's a 1960 Triumph TR3A. And uh, last year, uh, two, no, two years ago, I had Macy's Garage out in Tip City, Ohio, redo the body. And they did all the metal work, and they, I got it back in bare metal. And then I uh, I primed it in epoxy primer. And now uh, it's in my garage here in Tennessee. I, I'm, I'm finally settling down, and that's, you know, it's a ground-up restoration. And I'm working on that. I'm about to assemble the engine. Uh, maybe in the next week or two. And then after that, once that car's done, I have waiting in the wings a 1955 Triumph TR2 right-hand drive. And it's one of the few ones that was a knockdown kit assembled in Ireland. And uh, that's a pretty rare car. It also has overdrive and the aluminum racing competition, you know, oil uh, pan. So, uh, you know... Uh, I recently sold my 63 Corvair Monza convertible, three-speed, uh, so I could fund, you know, the restoration of the Triumph because, uh, you know, there's only so much money to go around. So sometimes you got to sell this car to make sure that car, you know, is done and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun working on cars. It's very therapeutic. You know, you have a long day in the office or whatever. You go into your garage at night and you put your music on and start tinkering you put things together and i always looked at cars as a giant amt model kit you know just a gazillion pieces and that's the fun of it you just little by little you're putting them together you know just great no it's true you know and a, a lot of people did that are involved in cars did build models um when they were kids and uh, i know a lot of them still build models today you know, that was the one thing I never really did much of. Um, I probably built a handful of models um, when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, I remember back in those days, you know, they weren't that expensive. But, you know, now models are like, you know, the least expensive ones you can get are like 20 some dollars. Um, yeah, I was recently looking at uh, to build a model of a B-20 or Mitchell, but I love airplanes, too. Or was it a B-25? And uh, it was like 180 bucks, so <laughs> I won't be building that model. But you know, we used to build models when we were kids, and then slot cars was a big thing in the late 60s. And you know, just the whole hobby has so many different you know areas of between models and slot cars and cars themselves, automobilia, collecting posters and prints and books. It's just a wonderful hobby. It really is. No, it's true. I mean, it's like you know, I have a. <laughs> fairly substantial literature collection i've got a library so you know you get the books on the cars you get the literature on the cars um you know it's just posters you name it you know and then of course half the fun is looking for the parts too you know if you have a particular car um, you know, and you're looking for those elusive parts, and you just keep, it's like a big treasure hunt. You know, you just keep going out there and, and checking publications, going online or checking eBay, or, um, you know, the other great way to find parts, too, is by joining Mark Clubs. Um, right. right. On and off, been a member of the Hudson Essex Airplane Club since I was 14, too, as well. So I've been around that a long time. Um, yeah, as the far as in the uh, hunt, it really is. What well, is? Yeah. The uh, so, how far are you along with your restoration now? Well, the uh, the, the TR three body is all in primer, and now I'm about to flip it over so I could spray the body Schultz on the bottom, and then you know start applying some color. I do my own painting and everything, so. Uh, I just had my uh, air compressor set up. We had a new 220-amp service put in last week. So uh, I'm, I'm raring to go. Uh, can't wait. It just, I, I enjoy it so much, you know, uh, restoring cars. It's just, just very relaxing. 
No, it's a it's a blast. That's one thing I haven't had the nerve to do. Um, now I you'd think I would because I took uh, paint and body classes for four years in the evenings. Um, but paint is so expensive anymore. You know, I mean, if you buy good quality paint, you know, I mean, you've got several thousand dollars involved in all the paints and the supplies and everything else. So. I'm afraid to do a, fin- a finished paint work, you know, finished paint work. I, I farm it out. I'll do some of the body work, but I just won't do the finished paint work. But you're comfortable you know, doing I, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is kind of nerve-wracking because you don't want to get runs or you don't want to, you know, do it too dry and get too much orange peel. But, uh, you know, you do a little practice, and uh, it, it's a lot easier than you think. It really is. But it is labor-intensive, that it is. Well, and, you know, and then, of course, you know, you've got all the special equipment that you've got to have these days, depending upon what kind of paint you're shooting. What kind of paint do you use, Richard? Uh, Single stage uh, or? I prefer single stage acrylic enamel, you know. Uh, I think if you apply too much clear, it becomes plasticky looking. But there's a lot of pros out there, and I don't know how they do it. They apply that clear, and you just can't tell, you know. But, uh yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into the painting uh, portion of restoring the car, and that's my favorite, you know, area uh, when, when you restore something is the painting. And then once you do that, then, you know, you start assembling everything and start putting things back together little by little. And even if you only work on your car an hour a night or, you know, it, it just before you know it, a month later, you see how much progress you made. You don't need a whole day to work on it. Especially, you know, you're getting older and your back starts hurting and your knees start hurting and, oh, I can't be in the garage five hours. But, you know, you do one or two hours a day, it'll eventually get done. No, I mean, you know, pretty, pretty, it won't be too much longer. You know, you'll be, like, able to be one of the, your own features in the magazine because you've got that feature still plays with cars, right? Gentlemen, I yeah, hate to... I hate to interrupt, but we're running out of time, and uh, we're going to have to close it out for the day and uh, remind everybody that the Tom and Richard Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio will be back next week right here on America's Web Radio. And uh, I can't thank you all enough for putting up with me uh, interrupting you today, but uh, you know, we always have to have a first show, right? always have to start somewhere everybody was new sometime that's right that's right (laughs) and uh look how that turned out but anyway we do appreciate you all uh joining us and uh looking forward to you all being a you all being a part of the uh, america's web radio family and uh uh richard will talk later in the week about uh getting your uh, magazine advertised so thank you again and you've been listening to america's web radio and uh, we'll see you next time you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening